My goal with this episode is to give you a blueprint that you can use to find a really aligned job for you the next time that you're on the job hunt yourself. So whether you are already on the search or you are thinking about embarking on a job hunt in the future, then this episode is going to hold a ton of value for you. And even if you're not sure that you want to search for a job just yet, but you feel like your current role might not be the best fit for you, then I encourage you to listen to this episode anyways, because the majority of us need to work for a living and we all spend so much of our time and energy on our careers. So it's really important to make sure that we are making our job work for us, not just the other way around. Welcome to Lit Up AF, the podcast that helps you create a life that lights you up. I'm Jenny Rose, your average 30-something millennial who spent years following the conventional roadmap to success until one day I looked around and realized I was burnt out, uninspired, and living a life that was out of alignment with my dreams and desires. So I threw away the old roadmap and now I'm following my own inner compass as I create a life that leaves me feeling lit up as fuck. I started this podcast because I know that I'm not the only one who did all the right things yet ended up feeling trapped in a life meant for someone else. So if you're feeling stuck, consider this your permission slip to throw out the old roadmap, tune into your inner compass, and create your unique version of happiness, even if it doesn't make sense to those around you. Join me here each week for a dose of inspiration, encouragement, practical advice, and honest conversations with others on a similar journey. Let's dive in. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to Lit Up AF, the podcast that helps you create a life that lights you up. If you are new to the show, welcome. I am your host, Jenny Rose, and I am so, so happy that you found your way to my little corner of the internet. My mission with Lit Up AF is to help people find their unique path to purpose and happiness. So if that sounds like your jam, then stick around because I think that you are going to like it here. If you are a returning listener, welcome back, my friend. I am so, so excited to have you along for this journey. If you all tuned in to my Attunement Tuesday episode earlier this week, then you will already have heard this news, but I am very excited to share that my recent job search has ended. After nearly an entire year off from work, thanks to my self-exploration sabbatical, I will be returning to the tech industry where I spent the previous eight years of my career. For a time, I thought that I might be done with that industry, but over the past few months, I've really been feeling the call to return to my role as a senior project manager because there is something very satisfying about helping a team bring their creative vision to life. And now that I'm feeling significantly less burned out thanks to my time away, I can really feel that it's time to step back into that sphere. So for today's episode, I want to walk you step-by-step through my job search process, including some invaluable preparation that I did before starting my hunt, how I like to approach interviewing because I know the interview process can be really nerve-wracking for people, and lastly, I'm going to share with you how I ultimately decided on which of the offers I wanted to pursue. My goal with this episode is to give you a blueprint that you can use to find a really aligned job for you the next time that you're on the job hunt yourself. So whether you are already on the search or you are thinking about embarking on a job hunt in the future, then this episode is going to hold a ton of value for you. And even if you're not sure that you want to search for a job just yet, but you feel like your current role might not be the best fit for you, then I encourage you to listen to this episode anyways, because the majority of us need to work for a living and we all spend so much of our time and energy on our careers. So it's really important to make sure that we are making our job work for us, not just the other way around. But before we dive in, I want to let you know about some companion episodes that I am going to link in the show notes that I feel could be super supportive for you to listen to if you're on the job hunt or thinking about it. Career is one of my favorite things to talk about because I find that so many people are selling themselves short in their jobs, and I don't want that to be the case. I believe that finding more alignment in the work that you choose to do in the world can go a very long way in ensuring that you are living a life that lights you up, which is always my goal and my common thread through all of my episodes. So 
Here are a few episodes that I'm going to be linking in the show notes that I think could be really valuable for you to listen to. The first is a recent episode all about career astrology. I had the pleasure of interviewing Nicole Ritchie from Charted 360, who guided us through how to use your natal chart to unveil your unique zone of genius so that you can link your career to your soul's purpose. So listen to this episode if you want to understand your unique gifts and how to use them in the world. The second episode that I'm going to link covers the mindset shifts that helped me to bring more ease to my job hunt. So I want you to listen to that episode if you are worried that the job hunt has to be hard or stressful, because that is not the case. The third episode that I'm going to link talks about why it is never too late to chase your dreams. I want you to listen to that episode if you've been wanting to change career paths, but fear is holding you back. The fourth episode that I'm going to link is all about conquering imposter syndrome. So this episode is for you if you struggle to believe in yourself and your abilities. And lastly, the fifth episode that I'm going to link is my stress-less guide to quitting your job. This episode is going to walk you through all of the things that you need to consider before you quit your job. And I also discuss what to do if you want to quit your job, but you're not sure what you want to do next in your career. So feel free to check out any of those five episodes if you feel called to explore any of those topics at a deeper level. And without further ado, let's jump into today's topic. First, we are going to talk about the work that I did to prepare myself for my job search. There are a few components to this that I really suggest you hone in on before you even start applying to jobs. So let's dive in. Number one, get clear on your vision. The first step to a great job search is figuring out what your ideal role looks like. So I want you to grab a piece of paper and I want you to take 20 minutes to jot down anything that comes to mind in the following three areas. Stretch goals, must-haves, and deal breakers. You are going to populate each of those headers with the things that you really care about. For the must-haves header, I want you to make sure that you include the practical things like the salary range that you want to target, the kind of benefits that you care about, like health insurance and paid time off policy, location, hours, that sort of thing. But I also recommend that you spend a good amount of time considering what kind of company culture you would thrive in. For example, having a supportive boss, a respectful group of coworkers, and opportunities for future growth can be just as valuable as some of the more practical pieces that you will be considering. Then for the stretch goals header, I want you to dream a little bigger. If you are someone that struggles with self-worth or imposter syndrome, then this section is going to be really important for you because sometimes we sell ourselves short and we end up settling for less than we deserve because our mindset hasn't quite caught up to our abilities just yet. So I want you to identify some things that feel like they might be just slightly out of reach for you at the moment. For example, this could be like a salary range that is 10K higher than your must-have target, or it could be a title that is another level higher than your current seniority, or it could be a set of responsibilities that you'd really like to grow into. Finally, you're going to identify your deal breakers. These are the things that would prevent you from taking a job. This could be something like a salary lower than X amount of money, or no health insurance, or weekend hours, or no parental leave, etc. Identifying what you do not want in a job is just as important as identifying what you do want in a job. So really take your time with this section. We want to be operating from a place of self-empowerment, not desperation, when we are embarking on a job hunt and taking the time to outline your vision is going to help you to stay in that energy of self-empowerment instead of settling for the first job offer that comes your way. If you are struggling to figure out what you want to write under each of these headers, let me give you a few examples of what I wrote down when I was crafting my ideal job vision. Now, this is going to be personal to me, of course, and it may not resonate with you, but I'm hoping that it will give you a good idea for a starting point. For my stretch goals, I wrote down that the title is one step up from my current seniority level. 
I also wrote a salary range that was higher than my previous salary, but still at the upper edge of what I've seen offered for similar roles. A 401k match. A bonus structure, which is not something that I've had before, but it is typical at bigger tech companies. And an unlimited PTO policy. I also wrote East Coast hours because most of my industry works on the West Coast, so I knew it was going to be a little bit harder for me to achieve the hours that I wanted. Then, for my must-haves, I wrote down that I needed a role that allows me to work from home or was local to me because I have no desire to relocate. I also wrote my desired salary range as well as a leadership team that I respect, a team culture that aligns with my personal values, a high level of autonomy because I am not someone that appreciates being micromanaged, a high growth ceiling so that I have room to expand my skill set, and work that I feel would be personally satisfying. For my deal breakers, I wrote down management responsibilities because I'm currently more interested in growing my craft than I am in managing others. And I also included the salary target that I would not consider going under, as well as some different indicators of poor work life balance. For example, there are a lot of places in my industry that have a crunch culture, which means that when major milestones come up, teams typically end up working extra hours on nights or weekends to make sure that their deadlines get met. And as someone who has experienced pretty severe burnout in the not-so-distant past, it is essential to me that I find somewhere that is able to offer me a good work-life balance to protect me from my own natural tendency to go a little overboard. Those are all some of the things that are important to me, and having this vision in mind really set me up for success when I began my job hunt. Once you've outlined your vision, it's time to do some market research. So you're going to hop on whatever job search engine you like to use and then start to see what is out there in the market currently. Indeed and Glassdoor are both great places to start. And I want you to look at open positions that align with your target title, as well as a title that is maybe one step up from where you currently are. As you are exploring the open roles, I want you to be paying attention to a few different things. The first is I want you to identify any jobs that are of interest to you. Compare the listings against the notes that you wrote down for your vision. If a job role is checking a lot of the boxes in the must-haves header or even some of the stretch goals header, then make sure that you save that link for later so that you can apply after you complete the preparation checklist that I am currently walking you through. The second thing that I want you to pay attention to is any information that the job listings give you around compensation and benefits. Check that against any targets that you've identified. Are they all roughly in the same range? Great, you're probably in good shape. Were your targets lower than what you're seeing being offered? If that's the case, then update your vision to be more in line with the current market rate. Again, I don't want you selling yourself short. Lastly, are your targets significantly above what the market rate is going for? If that's the case, it's worth asking yourself why that is. Are your expectations overly lofty? Or are you looking in the right industry? Some industries tend to pay higher than others, for example, tech or Healthcare is usually going to pay a lot more than the nonprofit sector. So if you're choosing a job in a lower paying industry that you're passionate about, then that's all well and good. Just be aware of the trade-offs that you are making. Again, I want you to consider updating your vision accordingly based on what you find in the market research. The last thing I want you paying attention to while you are doing your market research is the language that is being used in job listings that stick out to you. This is because the next step in my checklist is going to be updating your resume and your LinkedIn profile. And I find that borrowing language from existing job listings can be a great jumping off point for what to put in your resume, assuming, of course, that it does match with your experience. It also gives you insights into what potential employers care about most. And so you want to make sure that you are tailoring your resume to hit the relevant points that potential employers are going to be looking for in a candidate. So. Jot down some notes as you go for any phrases or words that stick out to you in these job listings during your market research so that you can then use them as a foundation for crafting your resume. On that note, for number three, it's time to update your resume and then your LinkedIn profile. Let's first talk about crafting a strong resume. 
I ran a lot of interviews at my previous company, so I have seen a lot of resumes. And in my opinion, a strong resume is going to be visually appealing, clear, concise, and have impeccable spelling and grammar. When it comes to making a visually appealing resume, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are a ton of free templates out there on the internet that you can edit to fit your own needs. Google Docs has a bunch of templates that are pretty good, but my favorite site for resume templates is canva.com. That's C-A-N-V-A.com. Canva has both a paid and a free version. I use the paid version, which does give me access to more templates, but the free version also has tons of options for you. Find a template that looks visually appealing to you, then plug in all of your information. It honestly couldn't be any easier. You can play around with the fonts and the colors if you like, but honestly, there's so, so many good templates out there already that you really don't have to do much to You just kind of enter in your own information. When it comes to having a clear and concise resume, my rule of thumb is to make sure that you are not going over two pages in length. Your relevant experience should clearly state what company you were at, how long you were there, and what your main responsibilities were in that role. It's also going to be helpful to include numbers and statistics where you can. For example, writing that you created and executed a six-month development roadmap with a team of 12 software engineers tells me so much more than if you wrote that you oversaw the software engineering team. So, Be specific, but also don't get overly lengthy. I really mean it when I say do not go over two pages. The longer you are in the workforce, of course, the more you will have done. So the harder it can be to keep things succinct, but do your best to include only the relevant experience, even if that means that you are cutting out some of your older or less relevant experience. So if you are applying for a senior marketing position, for example, then I don't need to know that you were a cashier at Walmart in high school. Lastly, you need to make sure that your resume is impeccably edited. This means no spelling or grammar mistakes, no inconsistent fonts or sizing, etc. I will be the first to admit that I am a little bit type A, so this might not be as big of a deal breaker to some people as it is to me, but I am someone that cares about attention to detail. And if I see a sloppy resume, then I assume that all of your work is going to be sloppy as well. Unfair or not, your resume is going to be a company's first impression of you, so make sure that you make a strong first impression with your resume. And if you're not great with spelling or grammar, then get someone who is to take a look at your resume. Asking for feedback on your resume in general is always a good idea, so get a mentor or a former coworker or someone that you trust to look over your resume and then be open to making changes based on their feedback. Once your resume is in good shape, you can pretty much copy and paste most of that information into your LinkedIn profile. Your LinkedIn profile can be longer than your resume, so if you want to go into greater depth there about the things that you did in each of your job roles, then go right ahead because you can go a little bit deeper here than the two pages that were allotted to you for your resume. I don't spend a ton of time on LinkedIn personally, but it is really important to have an up-to-date profile for a few reasons. The first is that recruiters can find you on here and they can reach out to you with potential opportunities. This is going to make your life easier because you never know who is going to stumble across your page and it saves you time of having to go out and find things when people have the potential to just stumble across you and find their way to reaching out to you. This is also where a lot of potential employers will first look when your resume comes across their desk. They want to see that you are a real person. So make sure that your profile picture is clear and professional because, again, first impressions are important. And then once your LinkedIn is up to date, you can change your settings to seeking work, which will allow recruiters to find you more easily. Number four, after you have updated your resume and your LinkedIn profile, it's going to be time to work on crafting a really great cover letter template. I know you are probably getting annoyed at this point with all of the prep work that we are doing. I get it. Cover letters can be frustrating to write because they can take a long time and you do need to tailor it to each company that you apply for. But making a really good 
generic template at the start of the process is going to make your life infinitely easier because once you have a solid foundation in place, you can swap out small segments of your generic cover letter to tailor it to each company that you choose to apply for. In other words, by putting in the work up front, you are ultimately saving yourself a lot of time and mental energy. Now, sometimes people feel tempted to skip the cover letter when they are applying to a job, but I would strongly advise against doing that. Your cover letter is part of the first impression that you are making to a company, and if you skip creating a cover letter, then it sends the message that you don't care enough to put the effort in, and therefore you don't really care about the job itself. Even if that is not the case, you want to be careful about the message that you're sending. So take time to put a cover letter together. Look at your cover letter as a great opportunity to inject some of your personality into your application and to speak more to your motivation behind applying for the job, as well as why you are a uniquely good fit for the role. I'm not joking when I say that there have been multiple times that I have seen someone's resume and initially thought that they might not be the best fit for the role. But after reading their cover letter, I've decided to move them forward to an interview because the cover letter was that good. This is because they used their cover letter to demonstrate why they really cared about the role that they were applying for and to flesh out some personal motivations or some related experience that didn't translate well on their resume. I could honestly do an entire episode about writing a strong cover letter, but let's just go over some high-level rules of thumb here. The first step is to create your template. Again, you can look on Google Docs or on Canva for some really great templates. Your cover letter should be no longer than one page. Once you have found a template that you like, I want you to spend some time writing a generic version of your cover letter in which you hit the following points. You should talk a bit about who you are, some relevant accomplishments that you are really proud of, and why you would be a really good fit for the role that you are looking for. Be professional with your cover letter, but not overly stiff or formal. You want this to sound like you and to show a bit of your personality. Again, consider asking someone that you trust for feedback on your generic cover letter to make sure that your spelling, your grammar, and the overall vibe is on point. Then, once you have your generic version of your cover letter, all you need to do is swap out little pieces here and there and tailor it to the particular company and role that you are applying for. It's always a good idea to tailor your cover letter to the company and the role because it shows that you've taken the time to do a bit of research, which, again, tells the company that you care. Just like you did with your resume, you can even use the specific job listing to pull out some particular phrases or words that you think would really resonate with the company and include that in your cover letter. Once I had my generic version of my cover letter created, it took me no longer than five minutes each time to tailor it to every job that I applied for. And this saved me hours of writing individual cover letters in the long run. So again, even if it's annoying, pay the cost up front to save yourself time and effort in the long run. Number five, the last thing that I want you to do before you actually dive into the job search is to tap your network. We want people to know that you are looking for your next role so that they can send opportunities your way. Now, if you are currently employed somewhere, then I want you to be very discreet here because you don't want to get on the bad side of a company that you're already employed by if they find out that you are looking to leave. If this is the case, consider reaching out to former coworkers who have gone to different companies and professional contacts outside of your current company, but just be sure to let them know that you want them to be discreet as well so that they don't accidentally spill the beans in any sort of public way trying to be helpful to you, but then it comes back and backfires on you. If you're not currently employed, then feel free to blast this out to your social media networks and especially your LinkedIn profile so that your network knows that you are looking. Then you can reach out more directly to former coworkers, professional contacts, and so on. During my own job hunt, I let some former coworkers who had gone to other companies know that I was starting my job hunt and they quickly got me interviews with their companies. 
One of those companies was actively hiring for a role that fit my vision, but another company with a former coworker was hiring for a role off the books because they were keeping the search small and really targeted. And I still got an interview with them because my former coworker put in a good word for me. Which leads me to another point that if you have someone on the inside vouching for you, that is going to make it much more likely that you land an interview somewhere because hiring managers tend to trust the word of people who they are already employing. So don't be afraid to let your network know that you are looking for jobs because their support can open up doorways for you that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. Before we dive back in, I want to take a moment to let you know about the 90-day joy journal that I've created to help you live your most lit up life. Journaling has been such a transformative practice for me over the past few years and is one of my favorite tools for helping me tap back into my inner voice, but at the beginning I struggled with it. I felt uncertain about what to write about and because of that I had a hard time being consistent. So if you're in a similar boat, you should definitely download the 90-day joy journal. Think of it as your roadmap through a three-month journey to establishing a journaling habit and cultivating joy in your daily life. Honestly, it's the journal I wish I had when I first started out and the best part is it is completely free. You can download it instantly on my website litupaf.com or find the link in today's show notes. Okay, back to the show. Once you've done all of the above, creating your vision, updating your resume and your LinkedIn profile, creating a generic cover letter and tapping your network, then you are finally ready to begin your job hunt in earnest. It might sound like a lot of effort to go through all of those steps before you even start applying to jobs, but I promise you that if you take the time to prepare in that way that I've outlined, then you are going to have a much easier time on the job hunt and you are much more likely to find a really aligned fit for you. I'm not going to dive too deep into how to actually apply to jobs here because it's pretty self-explanatory, but I do have a few quick tips that I want to share with you. Number one, remember to refer back to your vision when you begin applying for roles. Applying and interviewing can take a lot of time and energy, and so I recommend that if you are in a position to take your time, that you only apply to the roles that really fit your vision. Now, of course, there may be times where you have to move quickly because you've got bills to pay, and so you always need to do what's best for you, and you might need to apply for some roles that aren't necessarily ideal because your timeline is a little bit more urgent, but If at all possible, I really do recommend taking this process slowly so you are not acting out of desperation and instead you are operating from that very aligned place of self-empowerment because at the end of the day, you are the prize. And if you take the time to be very intentional with your job search, then you are much more likely to end up in a place where you feel content, supported, fairly compensated, and all of those good things that you want to have in a new job. Number two, before you even get to an interview, you are most likely going to be talking to some member of the company's recruiting team. This is usually a quick screening where the recruiter or an HR person talks to you about the job and they get a feel for whether or not you'd be a good fit for the company before they commit their people to a full interview schedule. If this is the case, I recommend that you be prepared to ask the recruiter any clarifying questions that you have around the role if you're not sure whether or not it's going to be a good match for your vision. This can include questions about team culture, role responsibilities, and more. Personally, I feel pretty strongly that a salary range and benefits conversation should happen early on. Some people are going to disagree with me on that, but... In my opinion, it is important to know whether or not the job even has the potential to meet your requirements before spending a bunch of time on the interview process. Because why spend all of that time prepping and interviewing only to find out at the end that the offer was never going to be anywhere near your salary range or they are missing a key benefit that is on your must-have list. So I do strongly recommend that you have some kind of upfront conversation about what the expected salary range looks like for the role and any other key details that you laid out in your vision before you go through the interview process that is going to be a must-have for you. And if a company is being unclear about this and they're acting dodgy around committing to a salary range, I would personally consider that a big red flag. 
I wouldn't move forward with interviewing with a company that isn't being transparent with me up front because what else are they going to be hiding from you? You know what I mean? That's a personal preference, but proceed at your own peril without doing this step. Number three, the last thing that I will say about applying for jobs is to consider applying to stretch roles. Remember when we talked about identifying your stretch goals in your vision? I also want you to be applying to stretch roles. What I want you to consider is that a job listing usually describes their ideal candidate and that rarely are they going to end up with someone who checks off every single box that they have identified. Companies are expecting to get lots of applications from lots of people of varying experience levels and abilities, but the job listing that they put together is meant to be a ballpark. Now, I am not saying to apply for a brain surgeon job if you have never been to medical school. But what I am saying is that you want to be applying for roles that are slightly outside of your comfort zone. For example, I am a senior project manager and I applied for a couple of lead project manager roles and I both got interviews and a job offer for a lead role. I wouldn't have gotten that if I hadn't stretched outside of my comfort zone. I will talk more later about accepting offers, but for the sake of my point here, I want you to push yourself because this will give you a better shot at checking off some of the stretch goals of your vision and probably more of your must-haves as well. And the worst thing that can happen if you apply to these roles that are outside of your comfort zone is you never get a call back for an interview. So stop limiting your possibilities. This is especially important for women to hear because I have heard numerous times that there has been research done that says that men are more likely to apply for roles outside of the realm of their current skill set, whereas women tend to be much more conservative in applying for roles. So whoever you are, I want you to push yourself to apply for some stretch roles during your job hunt and stop playing it so damn safe all the time. Now, let's talk about interviewing because all of the steps that I talked about up until this point are going to be great for getting your foot in the door, but the interview is ultimately the make or break point of the job search process. So I want to give you some advice around how to really nail your interviews. Before I give you some new tips, I do want to remind you to listen to the episode that I mentioned before about the mindset shifts that you need to make in order to bring more ease to your job hunt. That episode dives into some of the mental components that can make the job hunt more stressful. So make sure that you check that out in the show notes after listening to this episode if you feel like you might need some more mindset support on the interview front because that episode is going to be super helpful. So I'm not going to repeat what I talked about in that episode, but let me give you a few additional pointers to help you nail your interviews. The first tip I have is to do your research. Read over the company website. Learn about their mission and their values. Review the job listing again. Familiarize yourself with any products that the company has. Check out their social media. Doing some research up front is going to serve you in a few different ways. The first is that it's going to give you an edge in the interview because the more you show that you care about the company and its products, the more you are going to stand out as a candidate. Another way that this serves you is that you're going to feel more comfortable going into an interview when you have solid ground to stand on and being more comfortable translates to being more confident, which is a good thing. Lastly, doing some research will serve you because it will help you to really tailor the questions that you are going to ask at the end of your interview, which leads me to tip number two, which is to come prepared with your own questions. Most interviewers are going to leave time at the end of an interview slot for you to ask your own questions, and I suggest that you use this time wisely. This is a great opportunity for you to ask more questions about the company culture, the product, your day-to-day -day responsibilities, and anything that you've identified in your vision that are of particular importance to you when it comes to your day-to-day -day work. These questions should be personal to you, but don't waste this opportunity to ask about the things that you are curious about. Because never forget for a second that while the company might be interviewing you, you are also interviewing them. 
An interview is a two-way street. And just like they are trying to suss out whether or not you are a good fit for the company, I want you to be assessing whether or not the company is going to be a great fit for you. Personally, I use this time to ask a lot of questions about the challenges that the team is facing, how the company ensures employees have good work-life balance, what kind of qualities they're looking for in a successful candidate, etc. This helps me to evaluate what is important to the company and what the expectations of me would be, which ultimately helps me to figure out whether or not I feel excited about joining a team or not. So do some prep work before an interview to make sure that you are clear on the questions that really matter to you. Tip number three is to portray confidence. Interviews are rarely just about the hard skills side of things. They're also going to be assessing you on the soft skills side, like communication and how much of a team player you are and whether or not you are confident. So do whatever you need to do to feel confident before an interview. Your research is going to help with this because it's going to give you that strong foundation on which to stand. But it would also be really helpful to have a grounding ritual before an interview, something like breathwork or meditation or taking a walk before an interview. It can also be really helpful to do a mock interview with somebody that you trust beforehand because this will help you get some practice in so that you feel more comfortable with answering questions that an interviewer might throw your way. If you feel like you struggle with confidence, consider saying some positive affirmations and taking some time to hype yourself up before an interview by reviewing your resume and your list of achievements to remind you that you have already accomplished so much and that any company would be lucky to have you. Now, if your confidence flags during the interview, I personally feel like it is okay to acknowledge that you are nervous. Interviews are a nerve-wracking experience after all, and I have found that acknowledging the elephant in the room by saying something like, wow, I'm really nervous because I'm so excited about this opportunity, so I apologize if I stumble a little bit on my answers, immediately eases the tension and also helps your interviewer relate to you more easily and kind of encourages them to help you a little bit because you've admitted that you have a little bit of a struggle going on, and so they want to make you more comfortable and put you at ease. On the flip side, if you are someone who is very confident naturally, then just be careful that you stay humble and that you don't stray from confidence into arrogance. It's great to be confident in your abilities, but most companies are going to want to see that an employee is open to growth and that they demonstrate enough self-awareness to know that everybody has room for improvement. In one of my more recent interviews, I even had an interviewer devote an entire segment to sussing out how self-aware I was and how open to feedback I was by having me dissect some of the mistakes that I had made in the past and talk them through what I learned from those mistakes and how I would approach the situation differently if I had the chance to do it all over again. So just make sure that you stay humble and open-minded through the process as well. My last tip for nailing your interview is to be professional. I wish this could go without saying, but I have actually done enough interviews in my career where I found candidates to be very unprofessional, so apparently it is worth me being explicit here. So some rules of thumb are to dress the part. See if you can figure out what the dress code is for the job that you want and dress accordingly. I personally work in a very casual industry, and I have been doing remote interviews, so I didn't need to get dressed up But it is still important to make sure that you are putting your best foot forward because, again, first impressions are important and a lot of your first impression, unfair or not, is going to be visual. It's just human nature. Secondly, always remain professional in manner. I have had a lot of people on interviews start swearing left and right or expressing some controversial opinions or even just trying to be overly friendly as if we were best friends. And... No matter how casual or fun your interviewer might be, always remember that it is an interview and that you need to keep it professional. Whenever I have had people acting unprofessional on an interview, I have immediately given them a thumbs down because at the end of the day, I assume that everyone is being on their quote unquote best 
behavior during an interview. And if their best behavior is already a little bit unprofessional, then it's a sign for me that they're going to be even more unprofessional once we hire them and they get comfortable. Thirdly, I wish that this went without saying, but be professional and kind to the recruiting and HR folks who are handling your interview process. It is always a red flag to me when a candidate is a jerk to the recruiting team, but nice to the team members who are interviewing them. But this has happened more often than I would like to admit. So treat everyone on the team that you talk to with respect, regardless of their role, and you're not going to have any issues. Lastly, a component of being professional is showing gratitude. Always be grateful for the time that people have taken out of their busy schedules to interview you. Thank them at the end of your interview and consider sending along an email or a thank you note as well after the interview comes to a close. It doesn't have to be anything over the top or elaborate, but a little bit of gratitude goes a long way and it shows people that you're the kind of coworker that they probably would want to work with. Now, you've gone through the interview process and you're starting to receive some offers. Before we wrap up this episode, Let's talk about how to make sure that you select the right job offer for you. This is where your earlier vision is going to come in handy once again. There's a reason why it was the first thing that I mentioned on the prep checklist because it sets the tone for the entirety of the job search pipeline, including this final stage. When you receive an offer, I want you to compare it to your vision checklist. Does it have any of your deal breakers? If so, I'm going to advise that you turn the offer down, but if you don't, make sure that you really consider from all angles whether or not the offer is going to be worth the trade-offs of accepting a deal breaker. If it doesn't have any deal breakers, how many of your must-haves does it check off? Ideally, we get as close as possible to checking off all of your must-have items and bonus points for any stretch goal desires that are being met by the job offer. Comparing your offer back to your vision checklist is going to give you a lot of confidence in saying yes or no to a job offer. Beyond your vision checklist, I also want you to tune in to your body. I have talked a lot about human design on this podcast and how we all have a unique body-based decision-making process that is built into our design that can help you to make reliable good decisions for yourself. So I'm not going to dig into that here because there is so much nuance to this and you can easily look this up for yourself by referring back to my human design for beginner series. So I'm just going to generalize here and streamline this as much as possible. I want you to trust your intuition. If something looks great on paper, but you have a bad feeling about it, I strongly suggest that you listen to that gut feeling. And on the flip side, if an offer looks slightly less ideal than another offer or just generally slightly lesser than what you identified on your vision list and you're feeling particularly lit up or excited about it, then I want you to strongly consider saying yes to that offer. I talk about this a lot on the show, but in general, I personally believe that if you follow your excitement, then your life is ultimately going to trend in the right direction. Not all decisions are meant to be a logical one. Our bodies hold an immense amount of wisdom and we can trust our intuition and instinct to lead us in the right direction. Now, let me dig into a couple finer points here just to get a little more nuanced. What if you have a few offers but none of them feel right to you? As long as you have the financial wiggle room to wait a little longer, I personally feel that it's best to wait until you have an offer that feels really aligned for you. When we accept offers that don't ultimately serve our highest good, then we are operating from a scarcity mindset. Now, some people are going to hear that and tell me that I'm out of touch with reality and that we all need to make compromises. If you believe that, then your reality will reflect that. Now, I'm not saying to put yourself in financial jeopardy until a unicorn job offer comes around. I'm simply saying that you need to weigh your options and decide if you can afford to wait for something better. Because if you can, I recommend doing so because there are always opportunities out there for those who seek them. Now, what if you're not getting any job offers at all? 
I want to remind you that these things can take time, especially during a recession like what we're dealing with right now. It took me roughly two months from start to finish for my personal job hunt process, but it can sometimes take way longer to find the right role. So be patient. But also, I want you to remember that rejection is simply redirection. I talk about this particular point a lot in the Mindset Shifts for Job Hunting episode that I linked in the show notes, but I do feel that it is worth restating here. Now, what if you're getting offers for roles that you're really excited about, but the salary or the benefits aren't quite up to snuff? Negotiate. I want to say this loud and clear. I think everyone should negotiate their job offers. You will never have as much bargaining power at a company than you do during the offer stage. If they have extended you an offer, then you already know that they want you and think that you're the right person for the job. Most companies are going to try to lowball you because at the end of the day, they want more labor for less money. They care about their bottom line, so you should care about yours. And honestly, they are expecting you to negotiate. So they're going to start lower because they're expecting you to ask for more. And if you don't, then there's no way that you'll get what they were prepared to spend on you. Ideally, they identified the salary range for you before this process all started. If they're offering something at the lower end of that range, ask for more. Use the info that you gathered in your market research to assert how much the going rate is for your role in the current market. Even if you feel like what you're being offered is great and totally fair, it still might be worth asking for more because, again, you are never going to have as much bargaining power as you do at the offer stage. And the salary that you start at is going to be the foundation upon which you build for the remainder of your time at the company. Once again, research shows that far fewer women negotiate their salary than men do. And according to NPR, failing to negotiate early on could cost you between $1 million and $1.5 million in lost earnings over time. That is a ridiculous amount of money. So please, please negotiate. I'm actually going to link an article from a blog that I found that talked all about salary negotiation tips for an entry-level offer. The tips in there are pretty useful no matter what your seniority level is, but I like that this is very broadly applicable. So I'm going to link that in the show notes. So take a look at that if you want to see more. So what did my own process look like when it came down to my offer stage? There were two really excellent offers that I was strongly considering. Offer number one checked all of my must-haves and even some of my stretch goals, whereas offer number two checked all of my must-haves. When comparing them, offer number one was prepared to give me a higher base salary, a better title, and East Coast working hours, whereas offer number two had the same title that I held at my previous company, a lower base salary than what was being offered in option number one, but higher than my previous salary had been, and hours that leaned a little later than my ideal schedule, but still within reason. It might sound like offer number one is the obvious choice, but I ultimately ended up going with offer number two. Why? First of all, they were both amazing offers at companies that I envisioned myself being really happy at. I was torn between the two because they both had pros and cons that I'm not going to dig into here around project and scope of work, team size, etc. But ultimately, I went with offer number two because it had a better overall compensation and benefits package, and I generally felt more excited about the work that I was going to be doing there and the people that I was going to be working alongside. When you are looking at your compensation package, you need to be considering things beyond just the base salary. Is there a 401k match, for example? Is there a bonus structure? Are you going to get equity in the company, for example, in the form of stocks? How does the health insurance stack up? And so on. One of my favorite financial podcasts called The Money with Katie Show 
actually did an awesome episode a little while back about the most valuable job benefits. So I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. Sorry, the show notes are going to be real long, y'all, because she breaks it down so much better than I can. But the point is that you need to be looking at the bigger picture when you look at your total package. As someone who has been trying to live according to my human design strategy and authority, I also felt a lot of confidence in following my gut and following my excitement. Even though I'm confident that both job offers would have been a great fit for me, I just felt on an instinctual level that I am going to be happier in the long run with the job offer that I chose. And my happiness and mental health are the most important factors that I considered when weighing my options. At the end of the day, I hope that everything I covered in this episode encourages you to do some self-exploration so that you can identify your personal values and make aligned decisions in accordance with those values so that you can feel really confident that you are making the right decision for you in your next job search. Before we close the episode, let's do a quick recap of everything that we covered today. Before your job search, you need to, one, define your vision. Two, do some market research. Three, update your resume and your LinkedIn profile. Four, craft a really strong cover letter. And five, tap your network for opportunities. When you are applying for jobs, I would encourage you to, one, only apply to jobs that align with your vision. Two, Talk to recruiting about salary range and role expectations before committing to an interview if the job listing left you with any questions about those key points. Three, apply to stretch roles beyond your current zone of comfort. If you want to nail your interview, I recommend you, one, research the company beforehand. Two, come prepared with questions. Three, portray confidence, and four, keep it professional. And lastly, when the time comes to choose an offer, I want you to consider the following points. One, how does the offer match up against your vision checklist? Two, what direction is your excitement and intuition pointing you towards? Three, Use your bargaining power to negotiate for more. Okay, my friends, that is all I have for you today. This episode was a bit longer than my typical solo episodes, but I really wanted to be as thorough as I could when guiding you through my process because deciding on a job offer is a big decision. And I want you all to feel really, really confident that you are making the best decision for you the next time that you find yourself in this position. I hope today's episode brought you a ton of value. And if it did, please consider leaving the show a rating or review. This is the best way that you can help me to reach more listeners, and I would so appreciate your support. If you weren't already aware, I release two episodes a week of the Lit Up AF show, a mini episode on Tuesdays, and a full-length episode on Fridays. So be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss a new episode. I will be back on Tuesday, and until then, I hope you have an amazing weekend and that you spend it doing whatever it is that is currently lighting you up. Thank you for being here with me today, and I will see you all again soon. Love you. Bye. If today's episode lit you up in any way, please consider sharing it with a friend or loved one you feel would benefit. If you want to continue the conversation on today's topic, I would love to hear from you over on Instagram at litup underscore AF. Lastly, I would so appreciate it if you left a rating and review for the podcast to help it reach more listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found value in today's episode. I'll be back next week. Love you. Bye. Thank you.